You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. As crime rises in Seattle, one mother considers moving after disturbing incident involving her child. Ugh, not good, right? Not good. You're going to see more and more of this. As we defund the police, fewer police on the streets, more crime happening, more people coming to Seattle to do their thing because they know eh, there's not really any consequences in Seattle. What does that look like? Let's check it out. Before we do, if you're new here, thanks for joining. My name is Sean Reynolds. I'm the owner of a couple of real estate companies, and I read the news. Here we go. All right, and this is a Q13 Fox, local Fox affiliate. Crime in Seattle is up, and increasingly, it seems more residents and business owners are feeling fed up and considering leaving. I don't really blame them. I, I wouldn't want to live in Seattle. I'm here in Bellevue. I'm in the east side. I'm just a suburb away from Seattle. And I'm pretty happy to be here. I wouldn't want to be in Seattle. Just a lot of nonsense going on there. I've loved Seattle, but I feel like it doesn't love me back. That's a good quote, said Wallingford resident Mira Levitsky. Levitsky has found herself in a predicament. I think as a parent, you have to have all these things happen. And you're like, at what point do I have to leave because it's become unsafe for them, meaning the kids. And I think about that all the time. If I were a parent, would I be living in Seattle? I don't think so. You just raise your odds of your kids having something really bad to them happen, especially in certain areas. This is uh, Wallingford, and that is uh, it's a suburban neighborhood just to the west, uh, on the west side of I-5, where the peaceful protesters did a little dance party on uh, Memorial uh, ML King Day. It's uh, Wallingford is a suburban area just to the west of University of Washington. And so it's north of downtown by a handful of miles, and it's west of University of Washington. It's, it's a really good location, but it's got a ton of homelessness going on, and the U District has a ton of drugs going on. That's the University of Washington District. A lot there's, there's some bad people there, and that's what we're going to talk about here. When her family first moved to Wallingford, they loved it. But in the last few years, Levitsky says it's gone downhill. I lived in Wallingford when I went to the University of Washington back way back when in the late 80s, early 90s. I did not graduate, but I got close. I got close enough where I was like, ah, yeah, I don't really need a degree to, to do what I'm already doing, which is I was doing the real estate appraisal gig. And I think I had my license, my, my salesperson's license by then. I was like, ah, last few credits, I'm not going to learn anything that earth shattering, I'm just going to move on with my life and screw school. That's that was basically my attitude. Um, the Levitskys, they've been victims of a home invasion multiple times. Just recently, she went to a local dog park and came back to her car windows smashed. That's a regular occurrence to have your car broken into because you've got a bunch of people on drugs that are looking for the next fix and they need to break into your car, steal whatever you've got in there of value, go sell it, shoot up, whatever, smoke it. That is what's going on. I'm so used to it at this point, you know, probably three or four weeks prior to that, I was taking out my garbage and someone stole two of my bikes, like in the five minutes I went to take out the garbage. Just super quick. You can't leave your doors open. Your stuff is going to go missing because homelessness and the associated drug abuse that's, you know, oftentimes associated with those folks and their lifestyle, not saying that everybody that's homeless is a drug addict, but certainly a high percentage of them are. And people don't really want to talk about they're like, ah, oh, but some families are just down on their luck. Yep, 
but they typically work pretty hard to get back up and running because living on the streets, not a good thing, especially here in Seattle. It is cold. It's cold like 10 months out of the year. Not not freezing cold, but you get a little rain in there, you get chilled. That's not where you want to be out on the streets. It's no fun. But it's another incident that happened two weeks ago that was really the nail in the coffin for this family. On New Year's Eve, her 13-year-old daughter was with a friend outside the Wallingford Center, just a block from her home. That's when a grown man approached her daughter and said something vile and very sexually explicit. When her daughter began to back away, the man went towards her, grabbing to her by her arm before she took off running. Good job, 13-year-old daughter. Run. Run like the wind. Something like this happens. Out of there. Let's see your track skills. She called us about 7.10 p.m., screaming that some guy was harassing her. She said she looked kind of like a dad, or she said he kind of looked like a dad, so she was taken back when he would say something like that to her. It was a shocking, terrifying experience for her, especially happening so close to home. What he said to her was so upsetting, she couldn't fully tell us what had said, he had said because it was so embarrassing. It was so vulgar. These are stories where I'm like, man, I am fortunate I had two boys. I kind of always wanted a daughter just because I wanted that experience of, all right, I raised a couple of boys. That was some difficult times. But from what I understand, raising a daughter, wildly different, just a complete different set of circumstances. And this is one of those circumstances where I'm like, man, if I found that guy and he said something to my daughter like that, hmm. Ah, that would be tough to hold back, wouldn't it? As a parent, as a dad, somebody says something like this, whatever it was, obviously, it was just horrible. Says something like that to your kid. Mm, you would want to have words, you would want to care front that individual, wouldn't you? And hopefully not end up in jail. That's kind of the bottom line. Levitsky called police around 730pm wanting to make a report, but she says no one showed. She says she called back around midnight and still no one showed. So this is what I've been talking about for a long time. I've prattled on and on and on about when you defund the police and you have a couple hundred cops leave voluntarily or get the blue flu or whatever it is. We just don't have enough cops to go around. So something like this, it is, yes, it probably left an uh, indelible mark on this young 13-year-old girl's psyche, and she will probably need some counseling to move forward. I joke about, ah, only five grand worth of counseling, that'll fix that. But in this gal's case, yeah, she, has, she was terrified, and somebody said something to her at the age of 13, which is right in that, that time frame where things are going on physiologically for girls, and for guys too, but for girls, and to have a male adult say something like this is just like, oh horrible. Um, but the mom called back around midnight and still nobody showed. So the bottom line is, this isn't a call that since nothing happened to the girl, this isn't a call that police have the ability and or they're just not able to respond. So you're going to see more and more and more of this go on. And this guy, whoever made these comments, um, he's going to get away with it. He's going to do it again. He's probably going to catch one of these 13-year-old girls. And guess what? That is not going to go well. It'd be just yet, yet another crime statistic that Seattle will somehow shove underneath the rug and we will pretend that we love our fellow human being and that we don't want to put them in jail because that's not the place where we have for our compassionate you know, fellow human being. That's not where we, we don't want them in jail. We want them roaming around the streets harassing 13-year-olds. That's, that's our goal here.
Seattle police told us that they did uh, they did go to the home around 12:30 a.m. A little late, guys, right? I mean, is anybody going to be awake? Uh, they noted that while they did not want there to be long delays in responding to calls, it was New Year's Eve, a very busy day for them, and they were on a priority call status. So this was not a priority. We don't have enough police to basically cover the city and make the city safe. So the police do what they can, but oftentimes per the citizens, per the citizens in this article, it's not enough. They want somebody there quicker than that. Levitsky says she does not believe officers ever came that night. And if they did, they didn't notify her. So from her standpoint, nobody, nobody responded. That sucks. But it's not surprising, is it? I mean, this is not shocking. This is not shocking for citizens of a lot of cities. There, people are kind of looking around going, this, this isn't good. This isn't the scenario we want moving forward. And I wonder, I, I'm in Seattle all the time, and I drive around and I'm wondering, how many of these people are going, we should move, we really should move? Or are they just like, well, this is Seattle, we're compassionate for our fellow human being. Yeah, there might be a rapist in the bushes that'll get my 13 year old. But you know what, we love our fellow human being. We're okay with that. I mean, I, I'm wildly exaggerating there. But how do you justify when you are exposing your kids to this kind of stuff? Not to say that this can't happen in any suburban city with adequate police force. But the fact that the cops really can't do much that to me is or, or not able to do much, I should probably say. Um, that's the kicker. That's the kicker, right? Because long term, that is not going to go in the direction that you want it to go. By the police and the city not responding, it's telling my daughter that yes, a guy can do, say these obscene things to you, he can try to grab you. And it's okay, because the city is allowing this to happen. I just feel abandoned. I feel like my daughter was abandoned. And I think that's the part that hurts most not that this happened to her, but that the city absolutely doesn't care. Let me read that again. The city absolutely doesn't care. That's the bottom line. This citizen and her daughter have fallen in between the cracks because we don't care enough to have a police force that is adequate to fill even even show up and fill out a police report for these folks. Did the cops show up at 1230? I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't want to wait. Maybe it, maybe they showed up and they're like, well, we don't really see anybody and the lights are all off. Don't want to wake them up. I don't know, but probably not, right? I mean, these guys have a lot of stuff going on. And this was New Year's Eve. So just, you know, all the DUI patrols and all that stuff. I mean, there's stuff going on. And a kid who, you know, gets grabbed by somebody. Unfortunately, nothing happened to the kid. Not high priority. It's just going to keep going on. Levitsky ended up reaching out to SPD again last week and filing a report. She says she doesn't necessarily blame Seattle police. She thinks the bigger issue is city council cutting their budget. Ah, oh, this is a city, a citizen going, huh, this is what I think is happening. A city council cutting their budget, spreading them so thin, it makes it much harder to respond to some calls, if not most calls, because they're you can only respond to so many calls. She reached out to her city council member after the incident occurred, but never heard back. At this point, she says she feels crime is pushing her out of the city she loves. I hope people start paying attention to local politics and who we're voting into our city council. This is a this is um, a citizen of Seattle proper. So she is basically saying, 
wake up people, this is what's going on. And you're going to see a ton more of these news stories. So I'm going to go back a few years when I was, oh, in my early 20s, I was dealing with a group, most of my clients were in their late 20s, if not early 30s, because they were the established business guys, kind of in the real estate hierarchy, they were the mortgage officers, they were the, they were the lenders, they were the hard money lenders, they were the real estate brokers that were doing well. And when you're super young, trying to get your career going, that's who you associate with, you associate with the guys that have already got it going on, and can provide you business and consistent business. So what was funny is, as they all were starting to have kids, a lot of them lived in Seattle. As they started to have kids, they all made the decision. Yeah, we've gone from the fun times in Seattle living maybe around Green Lake, which during summer, if you're a young single man is kind of like the epicenter, it's, it's kind of like Central Park, but without all the crazy crime. Green Lake probably has more crime now than um, New York, New York, uh, Central Park does. But um, it was that place where, you know, a lot of single people lived, a lot of fun, you'd run around Green Lake, it had a nice big track around it, and, you know, asphalt path and all that stuff. So people would live in those neighborhoods, the really cool, fun neighborhoods back in the late 80s and early 90s of Seattle, when it wasn't kind of what it is now grunge was just taken off. And, you know, all that scene was going on, I was raising kids shortly thereafter. So I wasn't doing that. But I've always lived on the east side, I've always lived in Bellevue. And um, that's my hometown, I've lived in other places too, because I couldn't necessarily afford Bellevue back in the day. But um, the minute these guys, this older, older group of guys, all started having kids, guess what they did? Yeah, Seattle, not so good. Let's move to a suburb without fail, without fail, they all moved. Because guess what, Seattle, ah, a little bit rougher, you've got kind of that uh, Seattle experience. And not everybody wants to raise kids there. And I, I know that's probably an upsetting thing to a lot of people, a lot of Seattleites. But guess what, for the rest of us looking in, we're kind of like, yeah, I probably wouldn't raise kids there either. It's rough. It's definitely rougher than the burbs, right? And the burbs, you just don't have people doing this kind of thing. And if you did in Bellevue, if that happened in Bellevue, there would be a cop Johnny on the spot, guaranteed, and they would write up a report and they would look for this dude. And the, the big the big differing thing is if this dude is running around in in Bellevue, you're gonna find him. Because we don't take to homeless in this, you know, the same way Seattle does. We don't say, hey, it's okay, you can live on the sidewalk, you can live in our parks not that way. And most of the rest of the country is not that way either. And that's why I think so many people tune into this podcast, because I'm a guy living in the Seattle area, reporting on it going, Oh, yeah, this isn't so great. This is not the way you want things to go. And I talk about it from the real estate perspective. But just the, the humanity perspective, these aren't the things you want happening in your neighborhood, because let alone the fact that it impacts real estate values, it impacts people, it impacts this 13 year old. So do you want to keep going down that road? I don't know, Seattle apparently does. So it's interesting that this this uh, individual is just like, yeah, the Seattle City Council is to blame, they've cut the budget. I mean, this is not rocket science, right? I mean, you can just see the cause and effect here. And you're going to see more and more and more of this, you're going to see social workers killed, 
hate to say that, but as we put them out there, uh, as we put them out there as ambassadors of goodwill towards de-escalating violent stuff, they're going to get whacked. Just no doubt about it. I mean, the writing's on the wall. This is just what's happening. This stuff isn't hard to, you know, kind of follow. It's like, all right, there's step one. Oh, yeah, not good. Oh, there's step two. Oh, not good. Step three, ooh, geez, we don't even want to talk about that. Mm, yeah. But that's that's kind of what's going on. I mean, it's it's just, it's, it's crazy stuff that's happening. And the rest of, of I think, most reasonable people kind of go, what is wrong with you people? And now you've got citizens of Seattle going, what is wrong with our politicians? This is nothing new. This has been ongoing. This has been happening. And I think it culminated kind of last summer in, oh my gosh, we're going to let the peaceful protesters take over a police station. That's what we did. And so we had kind of the world spotlight on us for chop slash jazz. And it wasn't a good look. Not a good look at all. And so that's why I started covering it because the whole peaceful protest thing was kind of like, oh, that doesn't that doesn't seem so peaceful, does it? Let's go take a look. Let's go take a look with a GoPro. See how that see how that goes. Or with a cell phone on a gimbal. Let's do a live stream. See what other people think. And other people were like, Good Lord, what is wrong with you in Seattle? Well, we love our fellow human being, and we're willing to let them just kind of do whatever willy-nilly, because that is love. That is love, people. Just let your fellow citizen break the law, take over police stations, call them peaceful when they're not, let them graffiti up city parks, let them take over city parks. I mean, you you can't deny that that stuff is happening. It is happening every single day. Areas of Seattle that are just... I mean, <laughs> the violence coming out of them is you read news story after news story. Oh, that's on Third Avenue. Oh, in Seattle. Oh, shocking. Oh, another stabbing. Oh, well, at least he only got stabbed in the leg. No, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what we kind of come down to is, oh, stabbing victim, but they're going to live. All right, good. Well, at least he didn't get killed like that last three last three stabbing victims that you read like three days later. That person passed away. Now we're looking for the murderer, not the assailant. So just or, you know, the peaceful protesters started out peaceful and then a group of them left and they broke into 25 straight stores and stole stuff. And, you know, that type of storyline. It seems like the peaceful protesters now are just um, they're kind of hammering on the Seattle Police Department and they're doing protests on the freeway because that's where you want to go to get your message out, not have people be really upset with you because you've basically closed down traffic in a major metropolitan city on the biggest freeway system in our city. So people really enjoy that when you do that and ruin their day, they can't get where they need to go. Your message gets put right to the top of priority of wow, I need to listen to what these peaceful protesters on Interstate five have to say, because they have really made my day just that extra little bit more special. I mean, what do you guys think when you hear of protesters on the freeway? What are you doing? Didn't your mom tell you not to play in the freeway? Apparently not. No, their parents loved them and their parents let them go wherever they wanted. Street? Yeah. Heavily traveled arterial? Sure. Off ramp? You bet. On ramp? Okay. Freeway? Yeah, that's okay. I mean, why wouldn't you? You got to have people, you know, if you love people, you will assign to them free will. Do whatever you want. It's okay. We'll listen to your message. 
nah. This is, and that's all just silliness, right? That's silliness. And that's not the way most reasonable people live and or think. And most reasonable parents don't want to have this kind of stuff going on. I, as a parent, I, this is where, again, where I'm really glad I had boys because I don't have to deal with that because that, that young lady is probably going to have some, going to have some nightmares and some psychological impact. Remember that time I almost got abducted and who knows what? Yeah, not good. Whereas with boys, I remember thinking when both of my kids got to a certain age, I was like, all right, somebody tries to abduct my kid. Good luck with that because that kid is going to mess you up. That's what I thought as as a parent, as a dad, kind of got to that to that point. I think with my older one, he's a little bit smaller than my younger one. Not not by much. He's still pretty close to six feet tall, but not as big. My younger one, ooh, you would not want to tussle with him. That would not go well. I don't care how big you are. He's just one of those kids where he would, you know, he would probably care front you and um, he would disagree with your actions and he would let you know. And, um, you know, there would be some um, physical pushback, shall we say. So glad I never had to really deal with that other than, um, you know, my two kids duking it out between the two of them. But um, and that's just what happens when you have boys. I think some parents are going to say, oh, that's not parenting. Yeah. That was my parenting. I'm single dad. It's what you do. So I think um, you're going to see more and more of this storyline come out. I really do. And it sucks. And I would rather not report on that. I would rather report on other stuff. But it's here. It's happening. And I'm going to bring it to you right here in the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. All right. Thanks for joining in again. Yet again, as I record this, the inauguration just happened. On to the new president, right? I'm going to say one or two things about that, um, but not a lot. But um, little Wayne, he got pardoned by President, by former President Trump. Now, I, th- I think it. What is it? Yeah, it's uh, the new president is sworn in. President Trump is now f- um, former President Trump. He gave a hall pass to little Wayne, famous rapper. If you guys don't know who Lil Wayne is, that's okay. I mean, it's rap. You don't really care. I don't really care. But he's done some good collaborations. I think he did one with uh, Limp Biscuit that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, pardoned a rapper for having a gold-plated handgun when he is a convicted felon and shouldn't have a gun. Crazy stuff going on, right? I mean, and then he also uh, President Trump pardoned uh, Steve Bannon. Bannon who was, I believe, the architect of his campaign back in 2016. But he embezzled a few million dollars for a build the wall campaign that didn't really work out. He got a pardon too. So I might do some podcasts on that because those are some pretty interesting things to do. President Trump on his way to Florida didn't go to the inauguration. He's going to let everybody else sort out the whole um, impeachment deal. Does he get impeached? I don't know. The only reason I think they want to do that is just because, oh, yeah, we don't want him running again. I don't think Trump will run again. I really don't. I think four four years from now, he's enjoyed his billionaire lifestyle. He's going to be like, eh, that was a lot of work. Sure was fun. Yeah, maybe I'd like to try that again. Pretty good having that power. Like doing the tweeting thing. I mean, that's that's literally what I think he's going to say. But he's going to be like, oh, I'm kind of old. I don't want to end up my last four, you know, I, I wouldn't want to die in office. I think he's realistic enough, or maybe that's not the right word, but. I don't know. I just I don't think Trump will be back either way. Um, that's my prediction. Other people are gonna be like, Oh, no, we need him back. We, he's our guy. We need him back. Oh, if Trump doesn't come. What are we gonna do? You know, what? my guy didn't get inaugurated today. 
But it's like, all right, we all kind of move on. We've all been through enough presidencies where you know, all right, your guy might not be in office, but it is what it is, and you move forward, and you podcast yet another day. That's what you do. And you don't worry about all this other stuff because you can't really control much of it. You can go online, and you can argue with strangers a lot and not convince them of anything. You could do that all day long, but that just kind of spins your wheels. Or you can podcast about it and say a little something and then move on. That's what I'm doing. All right. Thanks for being here. Again, I'm Sean Reynolds from Summit Properties Northwest, Reynolds and Glen Appraisal. Appreciate you uh, tuning in and joining. I'll catch up with you guys in the next one. Bye for now. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.